Curriculum Associates presents Extraordinary Educators with hosts Sari Labaris and Danielle Sullivan. Get ready to hear tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching, leadership, and drive student learning. We're here for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Extraordinary Educator Podcast. This is Danielle. And this is Sari. We are so excited today to be joined by Precious Allen. Precious is a 2021 Illinois Teacher of the Year finalist, and she teaches second grade. She is passionate about human rights, global citizenship, and educational justice. And she is also the author of a children's book, Love You For You. I mean, what? We had so much fun talking with Precious. And what I really loved about our conversation is how real she is and how she shared how she actually sets boundaries at work. Because I think we all could use a little support on boundaries. Am I right, Sari? Yes. Every single person listening to this will benefit from her insights, learning her story and, and how she's learned to say no, and then also some practical tips that you can bring back when you want to say no, but it's a lot harder for you than, than the executions. Hi, Precious. Welcome to the Extraordinary Educator Podcast. We're so excited to speak with you today. Can you just introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Precious Allen, and I am a second grade teacher on the south side of Chicago. I'm entering my 12th year of teaching. I'm also part of a Teach Plus advocacy group and Advanced Illinois advocacy group where I'm advocating for um, racism-free schools and recruiting and retaining teachers of color. It's just a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really excited to speak with you. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us. So can we date, first off, 12 years. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Have you been in second grade the whole time or have you uh, switched grades? Oh, Lord. So um, usually teachers statistically burn out year three and they leave the field year five. So 12 years is kind of like dog years or cat years on the body, <laughs> whichever way you look at it. I have taught uh, second grade. It'll be 10 of those 12 years. I taught third grade for one year, fourth grade for one year. And came right on back down to second grade. <laughs> wow. I actually I just want to dig into that for a second, what you just said. Mm -hmm. It's really true. I was a former special education teacher. Mm -hmm. I taught fifth and sixth grade. And Sari was also a former educator. You taught like middle school and first grade, right? Yeah, first, third, <laughs> and middle school. But but like precious, third grade was my sweet spot. So mm -hmm. I feel like you find what you like and then you you stay there and get better. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I I burned out after my first three years. And it took me to really participate in a summer long professional development where I just wrote and shared with teachers to get back into it. So how have you overcome the statistics of not burning out? One thing I learned was how to say no. I learned that no is a complete sentence. It has a beginning, middle, and an end. And when I would teach second grade, they want, want to loop me to third grade. So when I looped, they're like, oh, this is how you sell. They're like, oh, you get the same kids. But they're not the same kids developmentally. They're not the same kids like on so many levels. So I'm like, you tricked me. What I learned with keeping the same grade is been able to sustain me is because I've been able to learn the developmental stage of seven, eight year olds. I've been able to know what is just a seven, eight year old thing and was disrespect or like what's, you know, true misbehavior. I've been able to coach parents around their child growing from a six-year-old to a seven-year-old to an eight-year-old. There's a book called um, Yardstick. 
Mm. And oh my God, I love that book. From I use it my own daughter. And it's it's such a wonderful book because it really gets you to like when you're in the classroom, you look at the child, like the developmental stage. And I didn't want to be the teacher that was like a jack of all trades, masters of none. Well, like, oh, I, I've been teaching for 12 years, but I taught, you know, first grade and eighth grade and sixth grade and fifth, but I haven't mastered anything. And, you know, research says it takes about five years to even master a grade level. So that was why I was so adamant about saying, no, I do not want to keep looping with my kids because I feel like I'm starting over, like I'm a first year teacher all over again. So that has been my, my anchor, honestly. It's so important. And two things that really stood out to me there. One is just everything you say is always, is always backed by the data. And as a, as a fellow data nerd, I appreciate that. But I think it's so it's so fascinating to me that your brain works that way. I think that's really cool. Mm. No, that, that has me <laughs> through with my principles. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> But also just, I feel like, you know, especially when you're starting out in your career, wherever you are, it's even harder to say no, right? Because Mm -hmm. you want to, you want people to like you, you want to be able to move up, you want to be able to get what you want. And I think like everyone would say, yeah, of course I can say no, or, or it's great in theory. As a teacher starting off, is there anything that you did that that you think others could learn from in terms of like really staying true to that and, and actually saying no when when it comes to that moment and you're like palms are sweaty and you're a little shaky and you want to say no, yeah. but you hesitate? Like how do you kind of overcome that? And to be honest, it took me a good four years because mm-hmm. I was such a people pleaser. I wanted to do a good job. Yep. And I and my first four years, I had been at three different schools. Mm-hmm. Because my first school, we were part of the big CPS school closing where they shut down a bunch of schools. So there's a lot of budget cuts. So my school was on the chopping block to get closed. So I went to the neighboring school where I took like a $10,000 pay cut. So I was living like on pennies and I went to another school and that was like my forever home school. And then I moved like 30 miles away, but I was there for four years. So what really helped me learn how to say no was it's not that I had a mentor. I wish I had a mentor to say, you know what, this is what you need to do. This is, you know, how you tell someone no. I felt ill. Hmm. I had walking pneumonia. The doctors thought it was a fungus on my lungs. And then I had like this breathing that they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I was still coming to work. I had only missed one day that whole entire year. So me not being able to take care of my daughter the next year, I was like, I can't teach if I'm not... <laughs> In a healthy space. So unfortunately, it took health scare for me to step back and learn how to say no. But I will tell other teachers, like in the field, especially starting off, because there's so many, um, like in the evaluation, it's so many things they want you to have distinguished by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I would say like pick and choose like what things you want to do well and what things you want to do well enough. You know, like don't try to stretch yourself to be perfect in every area. You're going to burn yourself out. And my third year, when I felt really ill, I almost left the field because of that. I wish I had a better answer, like, oh, I persevered. But no, I, I had a very bad health scare. So that's kind of what did it for me. I just kind of start setting boundaries for myself. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that with us, because that's real. And as educators, what you just said, the perfection, what do you do well versus well enough? And I'm struggling with everyone is, right? No is a complete sentence. I'm a people pleaser. How do we set the right boundaries to protect ourselves and our mental well-being and hold safe spaces for children too? Like it's, if we can't 
focus on ourselves or if we can't take care of ourselves, how are we going to be there for the little people that you do need to make sure that they're creating the right environment and you're supporting them. So, I mean, I always say I set the best boundaries when I'm physically and emotionally exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Funny thing is what helped the next year is I started watching my administration. They were going to their kids' plays. They were going on field trips with their kids. They were taking days off to go to report card pickups. And I was like, it's okay for me to use a sick day. or It's okay for me to use a PTO day. Like when I come back, the building's still standing. You know, I don't have to feel like, oh, everything's going to shut down if I'm absent. So that me just watching like my administrators and how they were taking time for self-care and taking time for their family. I feel like that in itself could be a professional development for teachers. Like it's okay to take your days. Absolutely. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and congratulations to the admins and your building for modeling that because we've shared, we've talked to a lot of leaders. It starts with leadership modeling the best practices and leaderships showing how it's okay to set boundaries. So that's just wonderful. I want to talk, I want to pivot a little bit thinking of boundaries and thinking of safe spaces. I love that you said you stayed in second grade for all the reasons you mentioned. How do you create the right environments for your students to feel safe and feel loved and valued and seen in your classroom? I think my biggest thing, I like to look at the data. (laughs) I think I studied my audience. If I was in an eighth grade classroom, would I still have the same things in place for a second grader? Probably not. Like they probably look at me like I'm crazy. So it's like I studied the audience. I studied their behaviors, like the trends for each year. And I'm like, oh, this is what they do when they have anxiety. Oh, so before a test, I should probably play a fun game. This is what they do when they make mistakes. Like when it's time to do writing and it's editing time. <laughs> And they they erase, but they write the same exact thing over again. Like, <laughs> um, like that's just a behavior thing. So just me personally making mistakes in front of them. And I have like lessons where I intentionally make mistakes. And I'm like, oh my God, like who can show me how to do it? You know, or like I pretend like I'm a first grader. So now they're the experts. A lot of times now that TikTok's around, I am not a TikTok fan expert, that's a field that they are an expert in and, and I'm, I'm a novice. So I also create opportunities for them to be the expert, for them to teach me. I make my mistakes. Google is my best friend. Mm-hmm. So when they see like, oh, like, mama, like Precious is an adult and she makes mistakes, you know, she uses her, her eraser too. That creates, like it, it really is an icebreaker. And that's something I pass over to my parents too. Like I, I'm a parent and it's like, we're going to make mistakes, but it's okay for our kids to see some of those mistakes because otherwise they'll look at us as a superhero, which is not good. Cause when we make a mistake, sometimes we can go from a pedestal, you know, to the floor hard. pretty hard. The floor yeah. really- <laughs> as a teacher, I never want to be put on a pedestal where I'm this all knowing thing. And my kids, i are these empty vessels that I have to pour into. Like I know when they come into my classroom, they're full of so much, like they've had seven, eight years of experience before they got to me. They're full of so many different experiences. So I just look at them as something that I can pull out what they already have inside of them. So powerful. And thank you for sharing all of that. I think just the modeling piece, it's often forgotten, right? As a teacher, you don't realize, not you, but Folks might not realize how powerful it is just to show them what it looks like, what the internal dialogue is at that moment, how to actually take your eraser, right? And just, I'm sure that you've created a really strong culture of 
of creating mistakes and that it's okay because it starts with you, right? Just like how at your school, it starts with leadership, with modeling, you know, taking time for yourself. And the way that you describe using data, but not the data that everyone thinks of, of like meeting the math standards, but the data of how your kids are looking and feeling and the emotional piece to then figure out how you're going to proactively address those things is something really interesting. And I think really powerful, hopefully for the, for the listeners to hear that. So thank you so much, Precious. This has been so great. Really appreciate you sharing all of your insights and expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is it for today's episode of the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Please leave us a review where you listen to podcasts as it really helps us reach more educators like you and make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Asoche and on Instagram at MyIReady. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, want to be a guest or have a question, you can email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We're here for you. So until next time, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates. Editing by Danielle Sullivan. Social media by At City Hannon. Guest booking by Sari Labaris. Music by Mark Bernstein. This podcast is copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associates and on Instagram at MyIReady and send your emails to extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. 